As we continue our worship service this morning, I'll read the scriptures coming from the book of John, the 15th chapter, 18, 19, and 20. John 15, 18 through 20. I read, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are the world, the world will love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the world, remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they would also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. May God bless the hearers and doers of his word. Just a couple of things before we get started with our lesson. First of all, it's wonderful to see you here this morning. We are um, each week having, it seems, more and more that are attending. I've seen folks in the last few weeks that are, I haven't seen since March, and it's wonderful to see you. We're really, really glad that you're among us. But with that comes a little bit more complexity, and so let me just give you some food for thought. As you come in next Lord's Day, maybe give a little bit of thought to maybe moving down a little bit closer to the front, maybe scooting in a little bit towards the center, especially of these really long pews. We've got some that are just extraordinarily long. And so if you're able to sit more in the middle, you don't need to get up and go and do, the, do things in the middle of the service or things like that. You don't have small children. Maybe give some thought to doing that uh, to, to make some space for others. And then secondly, it's been said, but I'm gonna say it again. This Wednesday night, there are no children's Bible classes, just so nobody comes and is disappointed. Uh, the children's Bible classes on Wednesday nights are going to tentatively start in a couple of weeks. But we started children's Bible classes on Sunday morning, this morning, and we're going to see how things go with that for a couple of weeks before we start Wednesday night classes as well. So just so you're aware. Third thing. If you haven't already heard, as a congregation, what we're doing is we're reading the Bible together as a congregation. We're reading from one chapter per day, and there are handouts in the foyer. It's also on our website that look like this, reading in sync. Each week has a theme, and the theme is always a song from our songbook. This week's, this past week's was Make Me a Servant. This coming week is the love of God. And so we'd like for you to participate with us in this. So just pick up one of these and you, you can go to our website and see uh, what chapter's being read, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, read the chapter and maybe discuss it together with your family and have a prayer together about these matters. It helps all of us as a congregation to focus our minds on God's word because our minds can be distracted by a lot of things these days. And it also helps all of us as families, as family units, to think more intentionally about how God's word affects us personally. And so, if you would, participate with us in this. It's called Reading in Sync. We'd love for you to be a part of it. This past week's lesson, or this past week's reading was called, Make Me a Servant. We read from Ruth chapters 1 and 2. Did you notice what a great servant Ruth was? 
She was somebody who willingly and, and intentionally chose to commit herself to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And when Ruth went to work in Ruth chapter two, she worked in such a way that the people around her noticed there's something different about this young lady. We read Psalm 116 and we learned about how what God has done for us ought to influence our choice and our decision to serve him. We serve because we're saved, because we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We looked at Jesus in John 13 and how he washed his disciples' feet. And I've always been fascinated that Jesus did that in the shadow of the cross. What was the last lesson he wanted for his disciples to understand? The last lesson he wanted ringing in their ears and going through their minds, it was him washing their feet. And then on Friday, we read from Philippians chapter two about four great servants of God, Jesus Christ, who left heaven to come to this earth and suffer and die as a servant of God. Paul, the apostle, who was willing to be poured out as a sacrificial offering on the altar of the faith of the Philippian church. Not only Paul, but Timothy, I have no one like-minded who will care for you and serve you the way Timothy will, Paul said, and Epaphroditus who nearly died because he was loyal to Jesus Christ. Ruth, Jesus Christ, Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus, servants. Make me a servant. I wanna make four statements by way of introduction this morning. Statement number one, Jesus intends to make you a servant. That's statement number one. Jesus wants you to become a servant. In Luke chapter six, verse 40, Jesus said, every disciple when he is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. He said in John 13, verse 17, after he'd washed the disciples' feet, do you know what I've done to you? I have done this to you as an example that you may do to others as I have done to you. Jesus intends for you to be a servant. Statement number two, greatness is measured by servanthood. Greatness in the kingdom of God is measured by servanthood. Jesus said that. In multiple passages, whoever would be great among you, let him become servant of all. Mark chapter 10, verses 43 and 44. What is greatness measured by? It's not measured by how much money or power or wealth I accumulate. Greatness is measured by my servant's heart. That's the word of Jesus himself. Statement number three about service. Anyone can be a servant anyone, from the youngest of us to the oldest of us, regardless of background or culture or education, anyone can be a servant. I like that. Not everyone can be an elder. Not everyone can serve as a deacon. Not everyone can be president of the United States. Not everyone can be an engineer, but everyone regardless of our station, our background, where we come from and what we've been, everyone can be a servant. Jesus wants to make every one of us into a servant. And statement number four, the greatest words you can ever hear are these. 
well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew 25, verse 21. The greatest words, the greatest statement that you and I could ever hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I've heard the statement made, and I, I believe it's true by practice. The only people in this world that have really figured out how to consistently be content and happy are those who have figured out how to serve. The only people in this world that have ever figured out how to be consistently content and happy are people that have figured out how to serve others. And that doesn't mean they don't have sorrows and they don't have disappointments and they don't have struggles. It just means that when we have an others-focused view of the world, not only are we like Christ in that regard, but there are blessings to be found in our own lives as a result. Make me a servant. Is that your prayer? Is that your thought as you petition the Lord today? What I want us to do this morning with our study is this. I want us, first of all, to look at qualities of a servant's heart. And then we're going to look at some things that might hinder us in having a servant's heart. And then finally, we're going to talk about very practically some helps because every one of us can be a better servant of God if we'll set our mind to it helps for being a better servant. Let's notice this first of all, eight qualities of a servant's heart. And every single one of us ought to pay attention to this because these qualities are Christ-like qualities. These qualities have the reflection of Jesus, the image of Jesus in them. Quality number one, a servant is an investor. What do you mean by that, John, an investor? I'm not talking about your 401k and I'm not talking about your retirement plan. I'm saying that servants set their minds to investing in things that are eternal. They set their minds to investing in things that matter, things that last. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, Jesus says, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Servants think about they pay attention to what's eternal. They pay attention to investing in things that really last, that really matter. In Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus told us to assess our investments, assess what we're doing. And when we serve others to the glory of God, for Jesus' sake, we're making an investment in what matters. There's some kind of gremlin that's messing with the PowerPoint system. So just ignore what's going on on the screen behind me because I have no idea why it's doing what it's doing. It's not Daniel, is it? Daniel's back there taking notes. Okay, all right. I told him, I said, don't mess up. Daniel's my son if you don't know that. So <laughs> I said, don't mess up, but here we are. Quality number two, as we think about a servant's heart, faithfulness. Well done, good and faithful servant, Matthew 25, verse 21 teaches. What does it mean to be a faithful servant? To be a faithful servant means that we are consistent. It means that we show up. It means that we have a desire to do what's right, a desire to serve and to honor God in every situation of life. And there is a need for servants. There is a need for children of God to be faithful in their service. It's not just something you do in fits and starts. It's not just something you do every once in a while. It's consistent, faithful servants. Number three, unseen servants. I have no idea what that thing is doing. I'm just watching it and okay. Unseen servants. 
What does it mean for a servant to be unseen? In Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, Jesus says, when you do good deeds, he says, don't let one hand know what the other one's doing. And what he means by that is, you don't go around trumpeting what you've done for others as if you're somehow trying to gain trophies, as, as if you're some, somehow trying to you're somehow trying to get acclaim from other people. You're trying to get people to appreciate who you are and to pat you on the back and say, what a great servant you are. Rather servants, if we have a servant's heart, they strive to be unseen. You wanna be like Jesus? Try to do good for somebody and then try to figure out how not to let anybody else find out what you've done. And I'll tell you, that's hard to do. A servant's heart. A servant's heart is not only unseen, but it is Christ-like. We read just a moment ago, John 15, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. And the world looks at me and the world hates me. And if it hates me, if you're like me, it's going to hate you too. But I'll tell you this. If we follow Jesus and if we have a heart like his and if we strive to honor him and we strive to serve him and to please him, whatever the world might choose to do to us and however people might treat us, we can love our enemies. We can do good to those who hate us. John chapter 8 verse 44, or John, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5 verse 44. We need as Christians to be Christ-like in our hearts. What else? As you think about qualities of a servant's heart, dependable, dependable. Can I count on you? Can I depend on you? Can I rely on you? Are you somebody that, we could, that could take a task and see it through to its conclusion? Romans chapter 12 verse 11 says that we are to be faithful, zealous servants of Jesus Christ. In the way that we serve, in the people that we serve, there is to be dependability. There is to be the kind of servant's heart that says, I will take care of this. Don't worry about it. I'm going to honor God and I'm going to serve you faithfully. Qualities of a servant's heart. Servants are harmonious. They seek harmony and unity. Open your Bibles, if you would, for just a moment to 2 Timothy 2, because you need to see this. And look at verses 24 through 26. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26, listen to what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, this young man who is left in Ephesus to try to help the church to grow and to mature, and yet there's all kinds of contention, there's all kinds of ungodly things happening. Listen to what Paul says. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, a servant of the Lord, that's what we're talking about. Make me a servant, O God. What must a servant do? He says in verse 24, it must, he must not quarrel, he must not argue, but be gentle to all and able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so they may know the truth. There is to be a desire for unity and peace and harmony if I am a servant of God. Those things are to characterize me. Those things are to define my character, who I am. Harmony, peace, unity, 
qualities of a servant's heart. Next, a servant is one with a godly perspective. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, the Apostle Paul was struggling with, he was struggling with his thorn in the flesh. And whatever Paul's thorn in the flesh was, it was keeping him from serving the way he thought he could serve. It was keeping him from doing what he thought he could do in the Lord's service. And so Paul very sincerely and very earnestly asked God, please remove my thorn in the flesh. He said, please take it away. And God spoke to Paul and he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul's perspective on that is important because Paul said, even though I've got this thorn in the flesh, I am well content with these kinds of things. I'm well content with struggles because when I am weak, then I am strong. A harmonious servant but one with a godly perspective. God is able by his grace to do things and to work through me in a way that brings honor and glory to himself. A servant's heart, a godly perspective. Number eight, as you think about qualities of a servant's heart, what is a servant all about? It's kind of like a neon sign back there just doing its thing. I guess the timer's turned on. We'll figure that out later. One of those glitches. By the way, there is a lot of technical stuff that goes on to make our worship services happen. We've got the live stream. We've got the PowerPoint. We've got the songs. There is a lot, and there are a lot of people behind the scenes that are great and godly servants that are doing a lot of things that you'll never see, you'll never hear about. How thankful we are for people who work in that way. Qualities of a servant's heart. Godly perspective, we're back. Scott's messing with it now. Nope. Other way. I'm fixing to just throw this whole thing out. (laughs) When Jesus wanted to teach, Jesus got into a boat and rowed out from the shore. That was all there was to it. No, no, No wires and speakers and PowerPoints, none of those things. Maybe we'd be better off if we just taught from a boat. A servant is glad to help others shine. I like that thought because it's a a mark of a servant's heart. Glad to help others shine. What do you mean by that? When somebody else does good, when somebody else is worthy of praise, when somebody else is worthy of honor, when somebody else rejoices, I rejoice with those who rejoice, and I'm glad to do it. Romans 12, verse 15. I sincerely love other people, and I'm glad to see them doing what's right. And I'm glad to help them have the limelight. That is a quality of a servant's heart. If we're really honest with ourselves, if we really just take a self-inventory and ask ourselves, has God made me a servant? And you look at the list, does it characterize you? Does it characterize me? We need a servant's heart, and that's what Jesus is trying to do in our lives. So then secondly this morning, we're going to talk about hazards to a servant's heart, because there are some. Just like there are foods that you can eat, and there are practices that you can engage in, and it'll keep you from having a healthy heart physically, the same thing is true of those who are servants. 
What are some hazards to a servant's heart? What keeps me from having a servant's heart? You've probably already guessed the first one. A lack of praise. What if I serve? What if I work? What if I spend myself in the service of God and others? What if I do those things and nobody acknowledges it? Nobody appreciates me. Nobody says, great job. Nobody notices. What if that happens? What if I do something and I get no response, just silence, just crickets? That can be a hazard to a servant's heart. And yet Jesus, our Lord, says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, don't do those things to be seen of who? Men. Don't give, don't pray, don't fast to be seen of men because you've got a servant's heart. And servants don't worry about who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. Secondly, a servant has a hard time when he has a competitive spirit. That's a hazard. If I'm constantly looking at other people and I'm sizing myself up, Am I a better Christian than that person? Am I more involved? Am I more zealous? Am I more spiritual? Am I more faithful? Am I a better Bible student? Do I do things better and more pleasing to God than that person does? If I have that kind of competitive spirit, I have a heart problem and I'll never be the kind of servant that Jesus intends for me to be. James and John, the apostles came to Jesus on one occasion. They asked him if they could be at his right and left hand in the kingdom. And Jesus said, you have no idea what you're asking. That's when he said greatness is found in serving, not in being number one, not in being the best. Next, resentment, bitterness. Bitterness and resentment means that somebody hurts us, somebody wounds us, somebody wrongs us. And guess what? If you live in this world, somebody's going to wound you, somebody's going to wrong you, somebody's going to hurt you. I promise it will happen. And the reason I can promise it will happen is because we live in a sin-sick world and people just do that to us. It's going to happen. There's no way to avoid it. What do you do with that? Ephesians 4.31 says, let all wrath and anger and malice and clamor and bitterness, evil speaking, let those things be put away from you with all bitterness. Bitterness is when we go back in our minds and we think about what should have been done, should have been said. That's what bitterness has to, be, has to do with. We think about what was wrong and we think about how we can make it right how we can get revenge, resentment, and it'll keep us from having a servant's heart. It'll keep us from focusing on what really matters. Next, some people doubt its value. I talk all the time to people who are looking for significance. Talk to young people who are looking for how they can make a significant contribution to this world as they think about their careers and their plans and where do I want to go to college. And they're wanting to live a life that matters, a life that counts, a life that's significant. I talk to middle-aged people who are looking at their lives and the choices they've made and they say, 
I'm doing the best I can, but I really kind of question sometimes whether I'm really making a difference, whether I'm really doing what I was intended to do in this world. And I talk to older people who look back on their lives and they look at their present lives and they ask the question, am I making a contribution that matters? Am I doing something significant? And I want you to listen to what I'm about to say and forget about what's going on on the screen behind me because this is serious. If you want to live a life of significance, Jesus said unequivocally, greatness is found in servanthood. Greatness is found in serving. And if you find somebody or some way to serve God and glorify him, you are living by Jesus' own definition, a life of greatness, a life of significance. Greatness is found in serving, in being like Christ. It's not found in how much you can achieve and accumulate and how many, how many stars you get on your crown. It's not found in those things. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in what? In the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. If you are a servant of God and of others, if that's the way you're living your life because you belong to Jesus, you're living a life that's significant, that matters. We need by faith to believe that that's true because otherwise we're going to look for greatness somewhere else. We're going to look for our significance somewhere else. Next, laziness. The one talent man, what did the master say when he came back from the far country in Matthew 25, verse 26? You took your talent, you buried it in the ground, you wicked and lazy servant. Yeah, I know I ought to get busy serving God. I know I ought to be more dedicated, more devoted to being a servant. I'll get around to it. Laziness is a hazard to a servant's heart. Third, exercises for a servant's heart. Just like your physical heart needs cardio aerobic type of exercise, so does your servant's heart. And so, four suggestions as a matter of routine. As a matter of routine, in other words, I'm not saying this morning that you just need to try these one, two, three, four things every once in a while and everything will be what we're talking about this morning. You'll have a servant's heart. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying these are habits to cultivate in our lives. As a matter of routine, number one, serve somebody and keep it secret. You don't have to tell everything you did that was good for somebody else. I say again, it is hard, really hard to serve somebody, to do something good for somebody and not tell somebody about it. Try it this week. See if you can. See if you can bless somebody and then not tell your family what you did. See how hard that is. That's developing a servant's heart. I don't have to constantly talk about the good that I'm doing. Habit number two. Routinely, do things that are not, quote unquote, your job. I present to you case study and perfect example, Jesus Christ. Whose job was it to wash people's feet? When the disciples came to dinner, whose job was it to make sure that all the dusty feet had been cleaned? I would imagine that nobody would look at Jesus 
and say, he's the one who ought to do it. And yet Jesus is the one who thought about it and did it. If you ever have been in the habit of saying, well, that's not my job and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take care of it. That's somebody else's responsibility. Be careful because as a matter of habit, we ought to find things that are not our job. And for the sake of Jesus, because we belong to God, serve. Number three, find practical, specific ways to encourage people. You want to build a servant's heart? Everybody loves encouragement. Very few people give it. When was the last time you intentionally went out of your way to encourage somebody? To say something or do something that would bring joy and cheer to somebody else's life, to strengthen them in their faith, to help them to grow closer to God. When was the last time you did something like that? In Acts 13, verse 15, when Paul went to a synagogue, after they had read the scriptures, they said, brethren, if you have any word of encouragement, speak. Maybe you and I need to take that as our mantra as well. If you have any word of encouragement, of exhortation, use it, speak it, say it. As a matter of routine, do people think of you as an encourager, as somebody who builds strength and faith in the lives of others? It's an exercise for a servant's heart. And then number four, do the right thing and make the right thing your constant priority. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 18, the Bible says, you shall do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Make that your constant priority. What's right? It's not about what I think is fair. It's not about what I think is right or what I think is just or what I think is noble. Any of those things, doing what's right is to be my constant priority, regardless of the circumstances. That's how I become a servant of Jesus Christ. He always did what was right. Brothers and sisters and friends, if you didn't get anything else out of this lesson, get this. If I'm not becoming more and more of a servant, I'm not becoming very much like Jesus because he was the consummate, ultimate servant of all. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to obey the gospel. You want to become a servant of Jesus Christ. The terms have been set forth by the Lord himself and they are non-negotiable. You need to hear God's word, to believe the gospel, to believe that Jesus Christ is God's son and that he is the only one who can give you access to the Father. Repent of your sin, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and be baptized for the remission of your sins. It is not before, it is not after, it is at the point of baptism that someone becomes a New Testament Christian. If you're ready to make that commitment this morning, if you need to respond and ask for prayers, whatever your need, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing.